Welcome back to Get to Know Each Other, the official podcast of Ollie at WVU. I'm your host, Harry Russell. Joining us today is Ed Johnson, who is a native of West Virginia and the curator of a website all about the state of West Virginia. Ed has been very involved with Ollie, as he was the immediate past president of Ollie's board of directors and has taught several classes for the program. He has also worked at Disney World and currently teaches an Ollie class on the parades of Disney parks. Thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Nice to be here. Well, you've had some involvement with Ollie. Uh, what what exactly do you do for the program and everything? Do I like to think I do a lot. I mean, I teach classes, uh, typically at least one every term, which can be anywhere from one or two weeks to six or even more weeks. Uh, I've served as president for a couple of years. I'm still on the board of directors, even though someone else is president now. Um, been a volunteer. Uh, oh, goodness, I actually became volunteer of the year a few years ago because um, uh, I just do a lot of different things, come into the office, answer phones, uh, help people get registered uh, on those days over the telephone, both here and in, in Morgantown and in Charleston. Uh, so uh, I like to say almost you name it, I've done it. That's awesome. Well, it definitely seems like you're, uh, you've done a lot for the program and the organization. Uh, what's, the, what's your favorite part about being a part of OLLI? Well, probably the classes. I mean, I'm a former uh, college professor. Uh, many of the people here are, but not by far, not all of them. Um, probably most are not former college people or even have a college degree, which is great. Um, but the being in a classroom, uh, some of us are just we really want to share our knowledge, whether other people want it or not. We want to be able to, to give them the, our knowledge and share it. I think that's a big uh, common denominator with a lot of uh, instructors, especially here. We have some expertise and knowledge in certain areas. We want to, to pass that on. Um, I do classes, everything from Disney to uh, mostly West Virginia type things. And uh, it's really neat to have people kind of get enthused when uh, by from what you do. Definitely, yeah, it's awesome. And you mentioned West Virginia. I know that you are a curator of a website for West Virginia. Could you tell us a little more about that? <laughs> yes, uh, the, the website, by the way, is mh3wv.org. Uh, the MH3 um, comes from my hills, my heritage, my home. West Virginia. The three comes in because typically West Virginia studies was uh, taught in the eighth grade instead of uh, another type of social studies. It was always aimed specifically for West Virginia. So in West Virginia is, uh, um, so, and they're also starting to learn algebra. And so this is MH to the third power. MH3 to the third power is the idea. Um, kind of a gimmick, but I think it makes it stand out a little bit. But on the website, there are everything from uh, state parks and covered bridges and national forests and uh, history of several different kinds. Um, music is the only place that you can hear all four official West Virginia state songs. Most people only know of a couple of them. Um, but, the, but I actually had to have one recorded by a local musician who, uh, to, because I could not find any recordings or, uh, even sheet music. I did find sheet music in the state archives in Charleston, but it had never been recorded before apparently. And so it's, it's on the website. 
Um, you can hear all those songs, a number of others, uh, a little bit about dance, uh, dancing, dances in West Virginia, um, special places, uh, everything from Helvetia to uh, the Palace of Gold, to the New River Gorge Bridge, um, to uh, the Capitol Complex and the Capitol Building. And we have a video on there of one of the former first ladies, for example, giving a tour of the governor's mansion. Uh, something that I had never been able to, to see before. Um, and, uh, oh goodness, there's just so much, I can't even come up with all of it right now. You have to go see it for yourself, my friend. Of course. Yeah, and I will link the website link in the description of this podcast for sure. So if anyone listening is interested, please check out that website. Uh, I have a question because I'm curious. I've only been in the state of West Virginia for uh, about a year now. And I'm kind of curious as to like, like you've mentioned hidden gems like what are some awesome hidden gems that i could go visit you know maybe as like a date with me and my girlfriend or if i just want to kind of get out of morgantown and see something kind of interesting about that represents west virginia well of course most people here locally want to go to cooper's rock which is fine um but if you go down into tucker county for example a couple of state parks cathedral state park which is a uh, uh some virgin hemlock uh trees one of the last little stands of virgin uh um, forest in the, in the state, uh, as it, because most of the state was clear cut back in the early 1900s. Um, most of every tree in many of the areas were, were gone. Um, a lot of forest fires and stuff. So Cathedral State Park is neat. And nearby is the um, uh, Fairfax Stone State Park, which uh, does the dividing line between um, at, the, at the headwaters, in fact, of the north branch of the Potomac. Uh, and divides Maryland and West Virginia uh, at that point as well. Um, and of course, just down the road is Blackwater Falls State Park. Uh, the falls being one of the two, probably the second most photographed uh, place in West Virginia now, one of the historic West Virginia state parks. And a little further down, you've got Canaan Valley, uh, which is a ski resort and uh, summer recreation as well. That whole area there, uh, including Dolly, Sods, and um, the Canaan Valley uh, are very uh, rich in uh, natural, res natural resources, history, um, and very unique types of uh, um, geography, if you will. Um, a lot of uh, rocks and so forth that you don't find in much of the state. It's very, very high in that area. Um, other places such as uh, Oh goodness, there's so many. Babcock State Park, uh, for example, and towards uh, Fayetteville and Beckley is, uh, has the grist mill, which is probably the most photographed place in West Virginia, because uh, it is beautiful, especially in the fall. I believe they even have a, a live camera that uh, updates every few minutes to, uh, uh, on, on the mill. Oh, my friend, you've given me so many, there's so many places to go. Most people love to go to, to the New River Gorge uh, and see the, uh, the bridge, which is an incredible operation, uh, as well as a lot of things in that area, some very nice, um, well, whitewater rafting is very big there um, and so forth. I have to do that drive whenever I go um, back home in Virginia. I go, I literally drive across the um, New River Gorge every time. Well, I hope, I hope you, uh, if you look down, of course, you'll see the old road that used to take, snake down each side of the uh, gorge down to the lower level where there are the railroad tracks. And that is uh, with a really old bridge. And that was the way it would take you, uh, 
40, 50 minutes, most of an hour to get from one side to the other. And now you can do it in 40 seconds. <laughs> I did not know that. Um, and that, of course, is the bridge that, every, that they uh, jump off typically every October um, uh, with the parachutes and zip lining and, and, all, and rappelling off of the bridge. Only day of the year that's done. Um, let me see, what else? Uh, other places to go. Um, one thing I, one place I am familiar with with West Virginia is, uh, you know, being from Southwest Virginia, uh, mm -hmm. I venture into, I go across the border and me and my family have gone to pipe stem a lot. Mm -hmm. I've, I've, I've fallen in love with that place. Uh, we used to go up there for Christmas and we would rent a cabin every Christmas and the, you, you were so close to nature there. Well, most of West Virginia is that way. Uh, I mean, we've got some cities, you know, Morgantown being one, Charleston being another, uh, the, the far eastern panhandle of the two counties over there, Berkeley and, uh, not Berkeley, Morgan and Jefferson, uh, for example, uh, yeah, Berkeley and Jefferson. Most of West Virginia is still pretty, pretty rural. I mean, our biggest town, Charleston, is just a little less than 50,000 people now. In the whole state, there's only 1.8 million people. Um, that makes us one of the smaller states, um, both geographically and population-wise in the country. Um, and we certainly have one of the most unique shapes of any state in the country, especially at least those without a, without a uh, seacoast. Being up in Morgantown, I never fail to see uh, a West Virginia sticker that has the outline of the state with a big WVU on the uh, on a car. Well, yeah, and you see a lot of them with the word home. I mean, uh, uh, I've mentioned most of every song about West Virginia, including all four official songs. Home is a big theme that we have in in those uh, in those songs. Uh, I've always thought that when you came through the New River. Um, New River, or the, the East River Mountain down in Bluefield uh, came through Interstate 77 from Virginia into West Virginia, where the sign says, welcome to wild, wonderful West Virginia. It really should say, welcome home, y'all, because we have so many people that have moved uh, out of state, and a lot of them down Interstate 77 to the Carolinas. And so they come back home. And most, most former West Virginians seem to want to come home. Uh, unfortunately, we just don't have the opportunities that uh, that uh, we could or should have, in my view, for for the young folks. It's not definitely something I hope changes in the future because that was a honestly a big reason why I chose to come to West Virginia to continue my education was because you know I love growing up in Virginia. You know I grew up in Roanoke, which is in Southwest Virginia, and I just love the area. And then when I was deciding on where I wanted to go, West Virginia kind of just it reminded me, like you said, of home. And it's a very welcoming place. You know, you have a bunch of things to do. Everyone's looking out for each other. And I, just being here, I've fallen in love with the state. I honestly, I hope to continue, you know, continuing my education here. I don't want to really be anywhere else. And I would love to ha remain having ties to West Virginia because it is like a second home to me. And I honestly, and maybe in the future, it could be my permanent home. I could definitely see myself being here. So I like how you said out um, home is definitely what a uh, way to describe the state of West Virginia. Well, it sounds to me that you may be a West Virginian by birth, but you're becoming a West Virginian by choice. Mm -hmm. and, uh, that is uh, also a lot of things. I mean, we had uh, back in the 60s and 70s, we had a lot of uh, uh, folks come from the metropolitan areas. They wanted to, quote, uh, get back to the land. Some would, some almost called them hippies uh, that, um, you know, wanted to live off the grid 
and uh, they found West Virginia to be a welcoming place. A big part of our arts and crafts heritage is from the folks who moved in from out of state at the time. And uh, we're seeing a little of that now, uh, people wanting to get out of the big cities. I mean, right now we've got the, uh, the coronavirus going on and people are wanting to, to move into a less crowded area where things are um, a little more safe in, in many ways. Um, and uh, we're starting to see another migration into West Virginia uh, in that way. Not the whole state, unfortunately, but uh, certainly the eastern part of the state uh, into, uh, into West Virginia. Interstate 68 has made us very accessible up here. Interstate 64 and, uh, brings people in from the east uh, into West Virginia, um, Charleston, Beckley, Bluefield, so forth. And the new corridor H, which is uh, going from uh, Buchanan through past Elkins, uh, past Blackwater Falls State Park, and then on to past Moorefield, and then on into Virginia, uh, that will connect with Interstate 66, uh, which is then a very straight shot right into DC. Uh, so we're going to see a lot more of that happening, I think. Uh, things that are holding us up right now, things like broadband. We don't have broadband all over the state. Uh, many people, many places, they hardly have uh, internet at all, even a dial-up type of system. So uh, hopefully that will change in the future as well. I definitely think it will too. I mean, especially like you said, you know, a lot of people are moving stuff because of COVID and you might see some schools go back uh, to being online, but you know, it's, it's really hard for, you know, students and kids to learn from online because of the broadband issue. So I think, I think it's definitely gonna be a push for that to really be priority in this um, next few, next coming years. Absolutely. I mean, right now, literally as we're talking, WVU students are moving back in into town. It is becoming a crazy place to drive again. This is a wonderful town to be in when, this, when the WVU is not in session. You can get from one side of town to the other with, with hardly any, uh, even stopping at stoplights. And uh, you, know, you don't have to worry about uh, freshmen who have no idea where they're, they're going in town and they stop dead and no, we won't go into that. It is, a, uh, it, it is quite a uh, operation that's going on right now. And the question is, are we going to be able to still have in-person classes in the future? The PRT is not running um, because of space considerations. You can't, you can't do much social distancing in a, in a little PRT car. car. And so it's, it's as I always, always have said, may you live in interesting times. And we certainly are these days. We definitely are, but all we can do is power through it. Well, that's um, what we're trying to do. Well, you mentioned, and again, this is a topic that I have recently got really into, and I'm sure you can give me and the listeners loads of information about is Disney. You said you taught some classes uh, about Disney for Ollie? Uh, for, yeah, for Ollie, and uh, I have been teaching a few classes. A few years ago, I did one actually on Walt Disney World. It went into depth on what's there and showed, you know, showed uh, everything from Google Maps to actually pictures of many of the attractions and um, rides and such that they have down there. Um, I worked at Disney in the early 90s for four years. I actually, uh, much of the time I was on the telephone in a call center. If you called 1407W-Disney, I was one of the guys on the other end of the line. I was there to uh, answer questions, but also to sell hotel rooms. I was kind of a salesman. But while I was there at Disney, I got to do some other things. I became a Disney trainer. 
so I was training people in the call center, for example. I was involved with, uh, <laughs> one of the interesting things was um, Notre Dame was coming down to Central Florida to, to uh, play, I believe it was University of Florida. And so there was a big, big game uh, going on down there. And many of the people were, were staying at Walt Disney World. Uh, I would receive the facts. Remember, this was the early 90s. We didn't have much in the way of internet then. Uh, but I would receive a fax every day from a travel agency in, uh, was it Terre Haute? Uh, anyway, from the Notre Dame area. And I would make reservations, type them into our computer system and so forth, and, and send them back so they would have reservation numbers and know that they had a, had a hotel room. I got to... Uh, I got to make a reservation for Regis Philbin and Era Parsegian, among others. Uh, so uh, that's, that's kind of a fun thing that happened uh, down there. But I did a lot of different things. I was involved with the, uh, a little bit with the opening of Euro Disney, which is now called Disneyland Paris, and uh, a number of other things that, that were involved. At the beginning of the cruise line, the reservation system for them, I went to train them on that, uh, the folks at the cruise line when it was just first getting started and even the Vacation Club, very similar uh, operation. So I, I had a fun time at Disney. Um, it's great when you can walk into Disney World anytime you want for no charge. You know, as, as a cast member, you could just show your ID, walk right through the gates. Um, of course, the only two times you could not go were on the 4th of July and New Year's Eve. And as I would tell people, you'd have to be really stupid to want to go one of the theme parks on those days anyway. Those were like two of the most busy days in the, uh, in the, th in the parks. Well, like I said, I definitely have gotten this. Uh, you, you said it earlier uh, when we were talking before the interview was Disney mm -hmm. fever. I've definitely, yeah. definitely gotten the Disney fever. You know, I, you know, back in the day I went a couple times and I enjoyed it. I remember enjoying it, but I was really little. I didn't remember a lot. And then I slowly started to realize how you can tailor a lot of, your Disney vacation for adult, uh, like different adult things. And so again, me and my girlfriend have really gotten into Disney and love to plan a trip. I mean, what time of year would you say is the best time to go to Disney? We don't want to go in the summertime. That is a horrible time to be in, in Florida. Hot, humid, thunderstorm every day. Uh, it is definitely not a good time to go. And of course, uh, one of the really part of that is that you don't want to go when schools, uh, public schools around this, the country are not in session, uh, because those are very, very busy times when families come. So of course the, uh, the week, uh, the Thanksgiving week is a bad time to go. Uh, Christmas holidays, there's two or three weeks in there you do not wanna be going to the theme parks. Spring break, another time. Holidays uh, are, are not good times to go as far as crowds. I've always told people, and I would tell people when I was talking to them on the telephone, uh, when I worked down there, that some of the best times are the uh, in the fall prior to Thanksgiving, not again Thanksgiving week. The time between Christmas or Thanksgiving and Christmas is a wonderful time. There's two or three weeks in there, depending upon the dates of those and where they show up. Um, but there's two or three weeks there where the parks are decorated. They, you know, everybody is happy. And as I would say, even, even the cast members are smiling more than normal. Uh, other times, uh, after Christmas holidays, uh, the first couple of three weeks, maybe of January, you have to worry because uh, Disney is starting to do lots of uh, marathons and half marathons through the parks and everything. 
especially to bring in uh, hotel traffic and uh, visitors on the on during what is normally a slow season. You don't want to be there during spring break um, because, uh, well, the college kids will show up, and you know how they are sometimes. Um, they are, you know, they can be really crazy. So those are some good times to go. Perfect. And what are some kind of must-dos if you go to Disney? Oh, please. There are so many. I know there's so many, but, like, if you were going for a week, like, uh, you know, I feel like that's usually the average vacation time is a week. What are the you need to do your first time going to Disney? Because it kind of will be, like, when I plan a trip and go, it will kind of be, like, my first time as an adult. Like, mm -hmm. I, I will be able to do a lot of things I wasn't able to do as a kid. So what are some, like, I need to do that first, that first time going back? Well, okay, there are four major theme parks in Florida, a couple of water parks as well. Um, but Disney has four parks, of course, the Magic Kingdom. Uh, you have to, uh, you know, walk through the castle. Uh, if you're crazy, you ride Dumbo, the, the flying elephant. They have actually had to create a second Dumbo ride uh, because the first one, there was always such a huge line. Uh, I always try, would try to ride Peter Pan's flight, believe it or not, which always has a line. Uh, and of course, you also need to do things like the Jungle Cruise and uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, Splash Mountain for a lot of people is, is a must. Uh, of course, they're changing the theming on that before too long to uh, Princess Tiana from uh, uh, the, the Princess and the Frog uh, movie from a few years back. She's from New Orleans, or as they used to say down there, New Orleans. No. Uh, also, the magic, you need to see a parade, you know, whether it's a daytime or a nighttime parade, you need to see one of those. Those are some of the biggies if you're really into it. Uh, Space Mountain is another another must see for or must do for a lot of people. Me, I do, I'm not a I'm not a roller coaster guy, so no, I don't do those kinds of things. So so just walking down Main Street, it can be a, a lot of fun. Sometimes I know some folks who actually go, and much of the day they're sitting uh, in a little uh, alcove back from uh, Main Street, drinking coffee, just watching the people go by, because uh, there are some. There are a lot of different kinds of people in, uh, that come to Disney World. The Animal Kingdom is the newest one, uh, one I'm least familiar with, but uh, you definitely want to do Kilimanjaro safaris where you get into a, a Jeep type vehicle and wander and uh, then they take you through, um, actually through the, the, uh, the zoo, if you will, the zoological park um, with all the animals. I mean, you get pretty close up and personal with anything from giraffes to lions and and uh, you know everything from Africa and Asia uh, are th are there. Um, they have a uh, goodness a number of other things. Um, the Mount uh, the Everest. If you're getting into roller coasters, Disney is really getting into roller coasters now. Um, the uh, Everest Expedition Everest, which is a uh, another really intense type roller coaster. Uh, of course, the new thing there is the uh, Avatar Land or Pandora, as we, as they say. Um, based on the movie, which came out, gosh, how many years ago? And is still one of the top two or three movies uh, as far as box office ever. Um, eventually, they will be, uh, I understand, as many as five sequels that are being filmed simultaneously to, uh, to round out the, uh, uh, the story, if you will. Uh, if you go to uh, Disney, uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios, um, the new thing, two new things there are Pixar Place uh, with uh, Toy Story and, and uh, you know, Slinky Dog Dash, which is a, a kid's type roller coaster. 
lots of meet and greets with uh, Pixar characters, characters all over the, the parks, basically, uh, for uh, meet and, what they call meet and greets. Before COVID, you could go up and hug and do all kinds of things. Now you just kind of wave from at least six feet apart. Uh, and uh, of course, the other big thing is uh, what some people call Star Wars land. Uh, there are two major rides there. And if you're into Star Wars, you're going to go there, uh, along with a new hotel that's being built where you will check in for a two or three nights uh, visit and you will feel like you're in a Star Wars environment. I believe they even may give you a costume to wear while you're there. Uh, you know, and everything then is, is, uh, is uh, themed to uh, Star Wars. At Epcot, it's going through some major changes. Of course, it's always had two different sections. One in the future world, the part with the uh, spaceship Earth, the big ball, as people call it. Uh, and then the uh, back portion, which is World Showcase. But this was, of course, originally designed to be a war, uh, like a permanent World's Fair where you would have companies who would uh, showcase their new technology and such, and that was in the future world. Uh, those pavilions were sponsored by major companies at one time. Um, everything from AT&T to Exxon to uh, um, Nestle Foods and United Technologies and such. Um, that is going through a major renaissance now uh, where they are replacing many of the original pavilions and or retheming them, including lots of uh, Disney characters, uh, Finding Nemo, for example, is in the uh, Living Seas area now. Guardians of the Galaxy, again, is another intense roller coaster uh, that uh, I don't think either you or I would want to get on. Um, and then uh, the back portion with all the different countries. Um, you, you will feel like you're in those countries. Uh, they are themed so well. The detailing is so good. Uh, one of the sections that uh, certainly Disney should be very proud of, the way they're able to bring that to, to place. So I don't know, is that, uh, how's that uh, for a quickie version of, of some of the things to see? You basically gave me my whole entire trip right in uh, a two minute talk right there. I mean, I can agree with you. I am not a big roller coaster fan. I want to be, but I just, everything, I, I just can't. I cannot get on a roller coaster. But I think that's something great about Disney is unlike a lot of other amusement parks, I feel like, you know, if you're not into roller coasters, you're kind of just standing around. Whereas now, you like at Disney if you're not into roller coasters there's so much that you can do so. oh you will have no trouble finding plenty of things to do um, at, at Walt Disney World no matter what your age they have made an effort to appeal more to teenagers um, but also adults uh, like I say you can you can wander around the, the countries you can drink your way around World Showcase every country has a beer and or wine and uh, you can have a have a drink at every one of them Usually about halfway through, people start acting obnoxious. You know they are the ones that are drinking around the world, as, as they would say down there. So, uh, yeah, Epcot has always been more of an adult-type place. Um, I think even, Harry, you mentioned earlier that uh, you had gone there as a, as a youngster and uh, found it, gee, Mom, this is really boring. It's like educational. I didn't come to Disney World to be educated. Uh, so... Uh, Again, they've, they've tried to, to hit those types of uh, concerns, and so they are working to make it much more uh, family-friendly, if you will. And now when I go back, I feel like Epcot's going to be one of my favorite places to go in Disney. I wouldn't doubt that to be the case. It was uh, probably my favorite. I mean, there are a couple things, for example, at the, at the Disney Studios that uh, I, always, I always love to go to the Voyage of the Little Mermaid, believe it or not. Um, they have a... a evening show called Fantasmic there. 
uh, which is uh, uh, kind of a the Florida version of the of the one in California, um, and so yeah, I wouldn't doubt that uh, uh, Epcot becomes your favorite as a as a more mature young man. Of course, and I think what's cool about your case too is you know having working there in the '90s, I think you can definitely see the changes in like kind of the moves that Disney has made throughout the years, and you can see how it's kind of grown into this huge giant thing. Oh yeah, it, it definitely has. Of course, uh, my job was mostly focused on the hotels, the resorts as we called them. Um, I was involved in you know, helping people decide which hotel to stay at and uh, based on where they were gonna spend most of their time, which theme park, you know, what their party was, how many kids, what their ages were, uh, what their budget was, because as we all know, Disney is not one of the cheapest places in the world to go. So I focused on that and, and when I left there, there were like maybe, 17, 18 resorts, there's now closer to 30. Um, and when we're talking hotels here, we're not talking, you know, the local, um, the local um, comfort inn or anything. We're talking every hotel is at least a thousand rooms. Uh, several of them are more into the three to 4,000, believe it or not. And they fill them up most of the time. Uh, so yeah, uh, they know what they're doing down there. And now the NBA is taking over down there with their bubble and they're all staying in the Disney resorts. Yeah, there's a couple of resorts where they're staying and, you know, so that they don't have to uh, mingle with the, uh, you know, the, the other people. And so, yeah, the Disney's, uh, well, it's now called the ESPN Wide World of Sports. Of course, it was the early ABC Wide World of Sports, as well of us who are, have a little age on us uh, remember. Um, but the ESPN Wide World of Sports, both the uh, NBA is – uh, doing all of their games there. Uh, there are several venues within that complex where you can, you know, do do basketball. My understanding was also the Major League Soccer uh, was going to do many of their games there. Don't know if that finally came to fruition at this moment or not. Not entirely sure, but I do know the NBA is definitely there, and I know oh, they've yeah, done a, they've done a fantastic job with the whole uh, social distancing and the whole bubble aspect of it. So they definitely know what they're doing. Yeah, so Disney's, Disney's not done. Well, I don't want to keep too much of your time, and I kind of want to keep this as a little preview for the, mem for the listeners and members who tuned in for uh, your classes that are going to be having, that are going to be coming uh, for this fall, this next semester. But if there's anything else you would like to say to the listeners? Well, uh, as far as Ollie's concerned, it's just, there's something here for everybody. Uh, as um, probably many of the listeners are already members, um, but uh, it's great. We are one of the, uh, at least the, out of 125 or so Ollies around the country, we are uh, at least among the bottom three as far as price, price and cost of uh, becoming an Ollie member. It is very reasonable, I think. Um, it is, uh, um, you get a whole lot for your money, if you will. Um, right now, the, it's, it's a little frustrating not being able to, to see people in person, uh, but uh, hopefully that will, within a year or, or less, we'll be back to at least some face-to-face -face type classes. Uh, and, but there's something here for everybody, art, history, music. Um, my classes are certainly very important uh, to, uh, to, to Ollie's success, he says, uh, being facetious somewhat. Uh, and, uh, but... Uh, Ollie's a, Ollie's a great thing. Uh, it's great to get you out of the house. 
uh, out, of, out of your place and into being with other people, even if it's virtually, as we are doing now with our Zoom classes. It's great to be able to have some interaction with other people who have many of the same life experiences and many of the same uh, ideas and trying to, to learn a few things just to keep, the, keep the, uh, the brain going a little bit, to keep the mind active, as you say. Education never stops. doesn't have an That's age. The That's the idea. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. And I know the listeners and members will all appreciate it as well. Uh, it's been a pleasure, Harry. I uh, appreciate you working uh, with us, uh, being as a student locally and uh, coming to West Virginia. And um, it's, it's great to, to have, you, have you involved with us as well. Hey, of course. <laughs> this is my home now. Thank you so yeah. much. My pleasure. Take care, buddy. You Again, I would like to thank Ed for joining me on our podcast. I will link Ed's website in the description of this episode. If you'd like to be featured on our podcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at ollie at wvupod at gmail.com. The email address is in the description. We'd love to hear from you. Give us ideas for topics to talk about, sign up to be interviewed, or anything else you might be interested in. It is our goal to try and stay connected with our members and anyone else that wants to get to know more about Ollie at WVU. Thank you for tuning into our podcast and keep an eye out for our next one in the coming weeks. Stay safe and we'll see you next time on Get to Know Each Other.